Hallelujah. Um, the Bible school this fall is going to be starting early September. And we got two, two classes that we're doing. One class is called Christian um, Public Relations and Ethics. And uh, the other one is Pastoral Theology. Um, so after this, uh, this fall semester, I'll be preaching a whole lot better. Thanks, Matthew. Somebody got it. Um, so we, last year we had about eight or nine students, and uh, it is open for everyone. If you want to get credits for it, you need to register as a student, which is approximately a $150 charge, and there is an application fee, and an a I mean an application to fill out. And then if you'd like to take the courses, each course costs $150, and there's approximately $70 to $75 worth of books per course. So when you look at it, it is actually a very reasonable um, process. If you can't afford it, but you'd like to come, you are allowed to come to sit in and to listen, okay, and to learn. You will not get credit for it educational-wise, but you are allowed to come, and you are allowed to participate in it. You can purchase books. Um, we would charge a small fee for all the um, photocopying and paperwork that we do, but it will be just a few dollars, four or five dollars per class. Um, but I want to encourage you to come. Um, yes, and you can order books. We can order more books than students are registered. Um, so if you want a book and you're not going to register for the class, um, talk to us because this is some way that we're able to um, train and equip and we want to make it available for everyone. All right. How do you cope? He scream. I scream or you scream? I scream, we scream, we all scream for ice cream. Well, some of us cope with ice cream. How do you cope when the pressure comes on? Today, today I want to talk about coping mechanisms. I want to talk about coping mechanisms today and how you can live above the noise. I know some people... Their coping, their coping mechanism is to run and hide. I know other people's coping mechanism is to sit there and laugh. I know other people's coping mechanism is to blame it on someone else. I know other people's coping mechanism is to deny. They live in a river called denial. You're awake this morning. That was a better response than I expected. We all cope with things and we cope differently. I know other people who, when some, the pressure gets on, they freak out and they literally get in their vehicle and they drive away. We all cope with things 
and we cope differently. And I want to show you a scripture verse today, how somebody in the Bible coped with difficult situations. Um, if you turn in your Bible, turn to Psalm 27. And that's going to be my main key text today. If you're taking notes, Psalm 27. And I believe today you are going to get some tools and some tips and some training and teaching on how you can learn to cope differently. Because I believe God wants you to cope in victory. I believe God wants you to live above the noise. I believe you were designed that way. When God took his DNA chart out and he said, I'm going to have some fun and I'm going to call this people human. And he says, and they are going to be designed so that they can rule over things. That is your destiny. That is your design. That is the DNA that God put in you. God did not make you to be the tail. He made you to be the head. And I believe that is for every single one of you here. You all qualify to be the head and not the tail. And I'd rather be the head because the tail gets a little stinky, if you know what I mean. Psalm 27. And I'd like you to just, we're going to go, we're going to start in verse 4. And I just want to read one or two verses. And then we're gonna, I'm going to give you some thoughts about coping mechanisms and how to live above the noise. Psalm 27, verse 4. And, and when I start reading this, many of you will understand and remember this verse or you've heard it. Um, I'm reading it from the New Living Translation, so it might be a little bit different. But it says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. Another translation, uh, the one that I grew up with, King James, it says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this week as I was reading this chapter, it, this verse just jumped out at me. I've memorized this verse. I've heard sermons about this verse. But when I saw the context of where this verse is put, it blew me away. Because quite often we read this verse and we think David was on top of it all. I mean, he's my man. David. I know there's some, I just like the name. David. And he's victorious. And he's the king. And like, kings don't have trouble. That's why they're kings. No, kings have trouble. They got turkeys running all around them when they're supposed to be eagles. And when you read the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, you'll find out one day David's here, the next day David's there, the next day he's over here, the next day, I mean, he's all over the place. I thought he lived a victorious, he lived a victorious life. But it didn't mean he didn't have struggles. It didn't mean he didn't have enemies. 
didn't mean that he didn't have things he had to deal with. And this, this psalm, some scholars believe it was written later on in his life. And the older you get, the smarter you get. So my parents are really smart, and I'm like smart. Um, I'm getting smarter every day. And that's a choice I make. But David here is writing this later on in his life, and it's almost like he has this revelation. And he says, one thing I desire, and that's the one thing I seek after, that I may be found in the house of God all the days of my life. Now I want you to see the context that it's written in. Jump up to verse 1. Let's see what kind of coping mechanism and stress David's under. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Why did he say that? Probably because there were times when he had fear. He wouldn't say it if it didn't mean anything to him. But he found, he came to this revelation that said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? You do not have to be afraid. In the King James it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You do not have to fear anything in this earth. You fear the Lord. You don't have to fear man. You don't have to fear situations. You don't have to fear other things or pressure. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord protects me from danger. Why would he say that? Because he had danger. He was chased. I mean, here he kills Goliath. And you'd think, oh, the road is going to be path, uh, paved in great gold and he's just going to have this great time. He kills Goliath and it doesn't take much longer after that and Saul gets a little frustrated and, and paranoid and starts chasing him. And David actually ran away and faked like he was insane in order to escape Saul. He let his beard run long. Yeah. I better be careful. Actually, I like these guys. I like hanging around them. Because they, people like stay away from them. I get to hang out with these guys. Yeah, they just go, and the beard and... He let his beard go long and he actually let his saliva run down his beard and he feigned insanity in order to escape Saul. Have any of you gone to that kind of extreme? Not recently. <laughs> so he's writing and he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And he had some reason and some depth of experience that he could say those things. 
And we saw the verse that says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And in the context, he's running. He's assessing his life and he says, you know what? I used to be afraid, but I don't need to fear. I used to be in danger, but the Lord is my salvation. And in the context of that, he says, one thing have I desired. In the context of all his struggles, in the context of him running away, in the context of him feigning insanity, in the context of Saul chasing him and having all the armies going after him, he says, there's one thing I've found, and that's one thing I desire, is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your coping mechanism is to dwell in God's house. It is as simple as that. It's one thing. Cope by dwelling in his house. You know there are believers, the moment pressure comes on them, and sometimes it's not the moment, sometimes it's moment after moment after moment. It builds, it builds, it builds. And you know what? I miss them Sunday. And I miss them a second Sunday. And I miss them a third Sunday. I'm here to tell you, come to church. Come to church. If you're coping with something that you can't cope with, this is the place. We are not perfect. I am not perfect. Thank you. My jokes are getting better, but they're not perfect. I am not perfect. We are not perfect, but we are forgiven. And if you're struggling with something, I'm here to tell you, this is the place to come Sunday morning, 1030. And if it means you come up to the river or if it means you sit in your chair, we're going to love on you and we're going to help you so that you can say one thing I desire and I seek after and that's dwelling in your house, God. Because my coping mechanism can't be to run. My coping mechanism can't be to flee. My coping mechanism can't be to blame someone else. My coping mechanism can't be to yell or scream or ice cream. My coping mechanism has got to be you and your house. That's the coping mechanism that we need to develop. I want you to see a few other verses. I'm not, I'm not finished. But I want you to read a few more verses, and I believe that you're going to see how David got this revelation. If we go back to verse 4 now, this is the one thing I ask of the Lord and the thing that I seek after, or seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life Delighting in the Lord's perfections. Now, I want you to see one, two, three, four things that David did because of one thing. He says, I want to dwell in his house. So he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Your coping mechanism... If you've got a coping mechanism that turns to alcohol, turn it to Christ. 
If you've got a coping mechanism that turns you to nicotine, turn it to Christ. If you've got a coping mechanism that deals with drugs, turn it around and turn it to Christ. If you've got a coping mechanism that deals with immorality, pornography, and all those other crazy, stupid things that are filthy, turn it around and turn it to Christ. One thing have I seeked after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want you to see something. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty You've got to get a picture of the beauty of Christ. The beauty of Christ is that He paid the price before the world began. It says the Lamb was slain. The beauty of Christ is I did nothing. He did everything so that I could receive everything. I don't know about you, but that's the most beautiful exchange I could ever experience. Christ did everything. I was not involved in that transaction, although my name appeared on the redeemed list. He didn't come and negotiate. He came to save. Get a picture of Christ. And I would suggest to you, don't get a picture of Him hanging on the cross. Get Him a picture of Him rising from the grave victorious. Sitting in heavenly places with His Father. Because that's where He is now. He is not still on the cross. He has rose from the dead and it says He is seated with His Father. To behold the beauty of of the Lord. When you dwell in the house of the Lord, your, vi your vision is going to change. If you need to change your coping mechanism, start spending time in God's house. And the amazing thing about God's house is it's not this physical building. God's house actually resides in you. When you go to Hebrews, it talks about Moses, how he built a house, and he built this great house, the tabernacle for God. And then it says Jesus who built his house, and it says whose house you are. So you actually contain God's house. You are his temple. It says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday we were having the snack out there. It was great. There was a young fella, and he's, he says... He says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, my body needs more food. I mean, it was awesome. And then he went and got a second helping of ice cream. <laughs> Behold. Start looking at Christ. Don't look at the situation. Look at Christ. Change where you're looking. Instead of looking at the pressure, and you say, well, the pressure's still there. Yes, the pressure's still there, but Christ is present. So it's to behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in His temple. So you get to behold, and you get to inquire. Inquire involves an investigation. 
Investigate God. Take time and get to know Him. Meditate on who He is. Don't just say, I love you, Jesus, goodbye. I'm going to work from 8 to 4.30, so I'll see you at about 4.32, and, and thanks for everything. No, take Him with you and meditate on Him all day long. He's involved in what you do, and He's interested in what you do. And He's got answers when you've got problems. When things aren't fitting and things aren't working, you can call to Him and the Holy Spirit says, I've got an answer. So you get to behold the beauty of the Lord and you inquire. That, that involves an investigation in His temple. If you want to change your coping mechanism, you come to the house of God, you spend time in God's house, you dwell in His house, you look at His beauty, you change what you look at, you change what you start searching out. Instead of searching out those things that used to provide satisfaction only temporarily, look at the thing that provides satisfaction permanently. Change what you meditate on. You will never change how you cope with something if you don't change what you think about. You'll never change running from trouble if you don't change how you look at that trouble. And if you look at that trouble and you say, that's trouble, but he's the trouble, he's the trouble taker care of. Take, take care of. You know what I mean. He's the guy that takes care of trouble. Trouble looks at him and freaks out. Keep it simple, Stunenberg. I was taught that principle in university. Kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. And I called it keep it simple, Stunenberg. Because that sounded nicer. But when you're in trouble, meditate on Him. I mean, I don't know about you, but people I talk to, and even myself at times, I get caught up meditating on the trouble. I get caught up meditating on the trouble, the issue. Verse 5, for in the trouble, in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. Now, I love this. God likes to hide you. But the funny thing, have, have you ever played hide and go seek? Anybody here never heard of that game? If you want to play it, you got to, Karen, Karen's an amazing hide-and-go-seeker. I mean, sometimes we say, go play hide-and-go-seek, and he goes, and we don't see him for an hour. <laughs> but the object of playing hide-and-go-seek is to hide and not be found. Right? So, when God plays hide-and-go-seek, you know what he does? He takes you, and he conceals you by placing you on a rock that everybody can see. I mean, he plays hide-and-go-seek like a whole different way. He hides you by placing you on a rock. That's what it says in this verse. We'll get there. 
so that everybody can see that your enemies actually see you. In Psalm 23, it says, He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Can you imagine having a buffet dinner while your enemies are all around you? And they're thinking you should freak out, you should be panicking, your coping mechanism should be to start screaming, your coping mechanism should be to run, your coping mechanism should be to point your finger, and instead what you do is you sit down and you say, just a minute, i got to have some ribs, and you sit down and have dinner. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When you deal with God, you find out that things just don't make sense. I can't understand that. I would never tell you to have fun in the presence of your enemy. But then when I read the scriptures, I realize, you know what? Have a lot of fun in the presence of your enemy because God is with you. This is the Lord's my light. The Lord's my salvation. Who should I be afraid of? Like, come on. In Romans, it says, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, if you give me the choice of picking which side, I'm smart. I'm going to pick God's side. Like, I went to school. I learned that. I always will try to pick the winning side because I don't like to lose. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can anybody? Can anybody be against us? So when the enemy comes, should I freak out? See, that doesn't make sense. But it does when you bring it into the Bible. I'm trying to change the way you think. I'm trying to change your coping mechanism. I'm trying to change the way that you look at the problem that may be in front of you. The pressure gets on. I went to a job site once years ago, and my crew left the job early because they weren't ready. And I went to the site, and the foreman met me before I even got into his office. He met me outside, and he started yelling at me. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't had that happen a lot of times. But he berated me. <laughs> Some of you may get this. He asked me who peed in my cornflakes <laughs> in other colorful language. And he walked around the job site with me, took his hard hat, threw it on the ground, and he's like this far away from me, yelling at me, berating at me. You know, the enemy does that to us. I've talked to people and they say, I can't sit still, I can't have peace, because the moment I sit still, my head just races thought after thought after thought after thought. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live like that anymore. I'm here to tell you that there's a victor and his name is Christ. And he paid the price so that you could actually change your coping mechanism. And you can say, you know what? The Lord is my light and my salvation, so I don't fear anymore. I'm serious about this. I do not need to fear. Say that to somebody. 
Say it again. Find somebody you didn't say it to and say it again. Make it a declaration. I do not need to fear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You are declaring the Word of God. I don't have to fear is in the Bible. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I don't need to fear. One thing have I asked of you, God, that would I seek after, that I may dwell. That word dwell, by the way, means to join together even to the aspect of marriage or marry. God wants you to be so in tune and so enveloped with Him that you are like married to Him. My wife and I, we're married coming up to 29 years. Yeah, and she still puts up with me. But we will be sitting in the car driving and we see something and she will say, and we'll pass some, say we pass a sign for instance, and we'll be driving, we'll pass a sign and literally 25 seconds later she'll say, huh, I wonder, and she'll refer to the sign and it's exactly what I'm thinking. freaky Sunday. No. But we're married. We are one. So the thoughts and our life is together. The things that I think about and I share with her. I mean, if you have a conversation with me, you're having a conversation with both of us. If you have a conversation with Winona and I'm there, you're having a conversation with both of us because we interrupt each other and we finish our sentences. Because one, you know, my anointing runs out and hers takes over and then hers runs out. But that's part of what it's like to be married. You start talking the same way. You start thinking the same thoughts. You start responding in the same way. That's what it means to dwell in God's house. You start thinking the same way God thinks. You start acting the same way God acts. You start finishing His sentence. He finishes your sentence. You start to speak. He takes over. You cut, take it back. He takes it over. And it's all continuous and it's a continuum of God. That's what it's like to dwell in God's house. And you've got this picture of Christ. And you've inquired in His temple. And then what does He do? He takes you and He hides you in His tabernacle. Talk about a coping mechanism that's fun. For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle. Who here has had a day of trouble? Okay, I'm going to give you a new coping mechanism. The next day, time, the day of trouble comes, and that might come as soon as you leave the church today. Okay, the guy knocks you off the road, and he waves at you with one finger, you know, and all that stuff. And, and you, you get this 
urge inside of you called road rage. It's in that day of trouble that you can call out to God. Come on, let's make it practical. When your mom tells you to do something or your dad tells you to do something that you can say, the Lord's my light and my salvation. I'm going to respond. I'm not going to cope that way. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me. And listen to this. I, I just love this. I want to dwell in his house. I want to meditate in his temple. He's going to conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent will he hide me. He will lift me up upon the rock. You know what? He's giving you like four or five words that describe where he's at. Temple. Tabernacle. Secret place. Palace is another one that he uses in there. Pavilion. You want to change the way you cope? Then change your level of your relationship with Christ. You want to change the way that things happen, that you don't have to be frustrated, you don't have to be angry, you don't have to feel guilt, you don't have to feel remorse, then what you do is you change the level or the intensity of your relationship with Christ and you say, I'm seeking Him first. One thing I desire, and that's to be married to God in His house. He shall hide me. Hmm. When you play hide and go seek, you can't be found unless you're hid. When you play with God, you can't be hid until you're found. Where are you found? When you're found in His tabernacle, He will hide you in His place. When you are found in His dwelling, He will hide you under His wings. When you are found in His house, He will hide you and set you on the rock. When you are found dwelling with Him and married to Him, He will take you and He will hide you. If you want to be hid by Christ, then be found by Christ. If you want to be set on a rock of peace, of safety, that rock, by the way, is Christ. If you want to be set on what Christ has done and the work that He has done, then and you want to be hid there so your enemies can see you but they can't touch you, then be found in Him. Play hide and seek with God. See, we play it the other way around. We say, find me. Jesus says, let me hide you. You want to change your coping mechanism. Change where you're living. Change where your mind dwells. Change what your eyes are looking at. Change what comes out of your mouth. Change what you're thinking about. Change what you're drinking. Change, eliminate what you're smoking. Change 
what you're dwelling on and get hid in Him. Be found by Christ so He can hide you. Then you can say, let's play hide and go seek. So I want to give you a number of thoughts about how, how do I do this? How do I do this? Because I've given you some thoughts, some scripture, but I want to give you some practical advice. How do I change my coping mechanism? Because I don't want to be someone that's always blaming others. I don't want to be someone that's a flight risk. I don't want to be someone that you put the pressure on and it just and evades. I want to be someone that looks at it and says, I don't fear it because he's with me. I want to give you a few practical thoughts on how you can change your coping mechanism. Start thinking more about God. Start thinking more about God. I can't do it for you, but I can tell you about it. I've chatted with Pastor Nelson. He was trained and taught to think about God all the time. About 30, 40 years ago, he sat under a man of God who said, you've got to think about God all the time. He started doing that. You have conversations with him about golf, and he'll bring it around to God. You have conversations with him about God, and he'll bring it around golf. You have a conversation with Pastor Nelson and it comes around to God. He thinks God. He breathes God. You want to change your coping mechanism, start thinking God. You want to change your coping mechanism, change your habits. Do not accept a habit that puts you in trouble. Do not accept a habit that makes you depressed. Do not accept a habit that puts you further away from the relationships that you know God wants for you. And you change it by changing your neighborhood. You change it by changing what you do. And your coping mechanism will change. Do not tell me, this is how I am. This is how God made you. No, God didn't make you like that. He made you as a son and a daughter of the king. And he made you so you can look and say, I'm not afraid anymore. I don't have those bad dreams anymore. I don't have that pull of nicotine anymore. I don't have that alcohol drawing me and calling me because my Savior said He redeemed me and He's the one that I run to. Change where you're going. Change your friends. Change your friends. If you accept Christ and you hang around a bunch of people that drag you down, change your friends. I used to know an old song that said, don't bring me down. <laughs> don't let your friends bring you down. Now, you can minister to them, you can love them, but you've got to get around people that make you strive to get more like Christ. If you're around in the pig pen the whole time, pretty soon you start to stink like a pain. Change your friends. It's not always easy. Surround yourself with people going the same direction as you. 
Here's one. I don't know if it's up there or not. Start talking with God. So when the problem comes, count to ten. And then while you're counting to ten, because we can do more than one thing at a time, say, God help me, 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 God help me. Speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Nine, ten. Okay. Literally. You want to change your coping mechanism, count to ten and ask God to help you. It's not rocket science. It's biblical. Here's another one. Take five minutes. Pastor, Nelson, uh, Pastor Daniel shared this morning about changing your routine. Take five minutes in the morning and read a proverb. There's 31 proverbs, so you can read a proverb a day. So today was the 20th. So you'd read Proverbs 20. Take five minutes. Do it when you're going to the bathroom, sitting on the toilet. Like, come on. Take five minutes. You're going to read a magazine? Why not read the magazine called the Bible? Instead of posting on Facebook, get your face in his book for five minutes. Eliminate one posting a day and put your posting in His Word. Come on. Are we going to edit this tape, by the way? How do you change your coping mechanism? You make a commitment to yourself. Daniel said, it says in Daniel that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile. Make a purpose in your heart that I am better than this. Like, like, talk to yourself. I talk to myself a lot. If you see me driving, you think I'm stupid. I'm talking all the time to myself. Have self-talk. I am better than this. I'm a child of God. I don't belong in this mess. I'm going to be found in your house. I am going to serve you, God. I'm going to take time and I'm going to spend it in you. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you saved me. I thank you that you redeemed me. I thank you that you're bigger than my mess. And you start talking with God. You start spending time with Him. And you make a commitment that I'm going to do this. Make a commitment and commit it to yourself. And the last part about how do I change, it's two points. One is be honest about yourself. Don't live in denial. Be honest. <laughs> when you live in denial, you'll never get anywhere. You won't. If you've got a flat tire on your car and you stand there and argue that you don't have a flat tire, who are you kidding? If you've got a flat tire in your life and somebody sees it and they're to help you and you deny it, who are you kidding? You're only hurting yourself. The other person's going to turn and walk away and he's going to go have his day. And you're the one that's riding a car with only three, three tires at work. Be honest about where you're at and then get a mechanic to fix it. If you don't know how to fix a tire, talk to somebody who does. Amen? One, one thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing that I may dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. How did David live above the noise? He learned. He learned. He learned. He learned to run to God when trouble came. He learned to seek his face. He learned to dwell in his house. He learned how to come and say, God, I need your help. David was not perfect, but he learned how to go after Christ. If you want to change the way you cope with things, learn Christ. Dwell. Get married to Christ. He will make a difference. Amen. You going to live above the noise this week? You going to change the way you cope with things this week? Amen. Anybody here challenged to, to change the way I cope? I want to encourage you. I have a coping mechanism. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I've got coping mechanisms. I need to change them to line up with this. I want to pray for you. And you guys should be really happy. It's like 10 after 12. It's like, this never happens. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, help me this week to learn how to cope with you in the picture. Help me this week not to excuse you but to invite you. Help me this week not to chase after a drink or chase after a feeling, but to be found in your house. Help me this week, God, to take five minutes and read one chapter and think about that for the rest of the day. Help me to change my habits. Help me this week, God, to make a commitment to myself that I want to become more like Christ in everything that I do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can do it. Amen. You can do it. God bless you. Have a great week.